0: That feeling of tomorrow morning, and you're University of Arkansas, and you're in our state, in our state Arkansas, and you're proud of the Razorbacks. That's that's what I felt whenever you know uh, they were giving KJ his trophy in the team ours, you know, and to, and to be Outback Bowl champions with nine wins, I'm really really proud of our team with with you know what we've accomplished. You know, two of the teams that beat us also were pretty good last night. You know, so uh, we play in a heck of a league, and I'm proud to be, and I said it a long time ago, we're in the SEC West right where Arkansas belongs, and we're starting to prove that. Oh, welcome to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And, man, do we got a show lined up for you. We got a bowl game to break down, LSU, Kansas State. We got a terrific guest lined up. My buddy Josh Bertaccini, host of the Red Zone with JB on 92-1, the ticket there in Northwest Arkansas, going to break down Sam Pittman, what's going on down there, contract extension talks, the Arkansas Razorback, just won nine games, so really great interview here with JB, going to get to that on the tail end of the show. But before we get to that, hey, we've been mentioning it here, don't forget Give us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app if you haven't already. We'll send you a beer koozie free of charge. We got all 14 SEC teams to make sure we get you the koozie you want. And we've been mentioning it, really trying to get the Spotify ratings going. So, hey, if maybe you don't have an Apple product, you want a koozie, you want to support the show free of charge, download Spotify, available on any and every phone, or computer, can get Spotify. It's a free service. Find us on Spotify. Give us a five-star review. Send that review on over to that podcast at gmail.com, and we'll give you a beer koozie free of charge that way too. So, hey, we're just trying to grow this thing. We're heading towards the offseason, but the news is not going to be slowing down anytime soon. And, uh, of course, the national championship right around the corner. So, hey, we're going to have tons and tons of action in the days and weeks ahead, but let's get on with the show. Podcast running late. Hopefully I'm not too loopy to do this. It's uh 11:30 Central Time here. LSU just lost the Texas Bowl 42 to 20 to Kansas State. But really, I mean, I say LSU, it was really their a mix of their walk-ons and their third stringers. My god, they started a receiver at quarterback and played him the whole game. But, uh, hey, give, if nothing else, my main takeaway from this one, give the Tigers credit for showing up and at least trying in this football game when with the odds so stacked against them, 39 scholarship players, no quarterbacks, no kicker. I mean, it was a mess out there. The defense was – I knew LSU was in trouble right off the bat when Kansas State controlled the – the clock for the entire first quarter. LSU ran three offensive plays in the first quarter. And what do we say? The key there, got to stop the running game. And LSU actually, you know, they did a decent job of it, just weren't making the plays, weren't wrapping up, getting Kansas State in third and long situations early in the game. But once Kansas State scored on the opening possession, second possession there scored as well. How they scored on the first three possessions, 21-0 with uh, Jonte Kirkland. As, as much as he gutted it out there, I mean, you just weren't going to get a win in this Texas Bowl here. But uh, Kirkland, three touchdowns, seven of 11 passes. This is one of the weirdest stat lines you're going to see all of bowl season. Seven of 11 passing, 138, three touchdowns, two interceptions. So he only had two passes here that hit the ground. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, a wild, wild game. I mean, it got out of hand. LSU scored late with the uh, 81-yard touchdown in the final moments of the game to make it look a little bit more respectable. But Kansas State, they just, uh, you know, they did what they should have. They took care of business and LSU after getting down in a hole here. Not much doing. But, hey, at least uh, you like to see the fight out there from the LSU Tigers. And I think the main takeaway is, man, even in this Muted-type offense where, uh, if you missed it, Kirkland was running to the sideline getting the play. Basically, the entire game, Jake Peets moved down to the sideline to call the plays. But the main takeaway, man, these receivers, Malik Neighbors, he was making some plays. Brian Thomas, uh, Hilton was the last one to make the play. Dre Jenkins. I mean, we've got us uh, some talent, and that does not even include, of course, uh, possibly the most dynamic SEC re- – Seaver returning next season, Kayshawn Butte, Jack Betch. You know, we've got so many weapons here for whoever the quarterback is next season, whether it's Miles Brennan, whether it's a transfer. in hell, who knows? It could be uh, the five-star freshman. It could be Nussmeyer. Like, a lot of options for whoever that quarterback is for Brian Kelly. He made an appearance during this game and spoke with uh, the ESPN crew. And the most interesting thing he had to say, They will utilize the transfer portal, does not expect this to be a long-term rebuild in Baton Rouge. And, hey, the money he's making, being in the SEC, expecting championships, there can't be a rebuild. So, you know, I'm not sitting here saying LSU is going to win the SEC next season, but you better believe that uh, that has got to be the goal of uh, Brian Kelly and his staff and it starts with uh, adding some key pieces, particularly you got to think on the offensive line, possibly again at quarterback, Caleb Williams is out there not saying you necessarily need that, but, uh, you may need a running back to add to that mix in a lot. There's a, there's a lot of missing here in LSU. And, and a lot of that has to do with the transfer portal guys already leaving after Cocho and after, uh, we still had a solid recruiting class, but not up to LSU standard. LSU's typically recruiting in the top five, almost guaranteed every single year. Didn't come close to that for obvious reasons with the coaching change and everything. But, yeah, just a sad, sad sight here for the SEC going out uh, in, in the last non-conference game of the year with a thud. But uh, that, you know, I was optimistic LSU could pull out a W. But real realistically, once this thing got going and Kansas State... Let's see what they go on here. An 11 play drive, an 18 play drive. And here LSU LSU's got basically and LSU's basically got uh, you know, a mix again of third strings and walk on. You knew it was going to be a long night and it was. It was ugly, ugly game. And we're closing the chapter on 2021 for LSU though. 2022 starts immediately. And as uh, Brian Kelly ready to hit the ground running, hitting that transfer portal, getting into spring football there in Baton Rouge. And just when we thought the coaching carousel was going to start slowing down, hey, we may have a big domino here that uh, uproots the whole thing. Now, this is not specifically SEC related, but anytime a big job like this comes open, which it's not yet, you know, we'll pump the brakes a little bit here, but... Man, who knows? Who knows the ramifications here? SEC coach may up and leave Uh, another one. You know, who knows? Coordinators, assistants, all kinds of upheaval could be coming because according to Bruce Feldman of The Athletic, oh, Jim Harbaugh, Ian, jump, a return, so to speak, to the NFL. Uh, one, One good beat down by them Georgia Bulldogs and Kirby Smart May have Jim Harbaugh running for the hills. He finally beat Ohio State. Took him uh, damn near a decade to do that. Now that he's seen what the uh, these SEC boys are like, Mm-mm, no, off to the NFL potentially. So that's being reported by Bruce Feldman, one of the best in the business. If he's reporting it, you know there's a ton of validity to it. And again, this is not confirmed yet. NFL head coaching openings, We got a, there's an interim coach or two out there I know uh, Washington and Las Vegas Raiders, they both have openings. And who knows, once uh, the NFL season comes, the regular season that that is, comes to a close here this upcoming weekend, there's going to be more openings. So we'll see. Jim Harbaugh on the move. Again, the only reason I bring that up, the top of the the news and notes here, because who knows, uh, Michigan may try to hire an SEC coach. They may try to hire some of these outstanding coordinators we got in the SEC. You just never know. And uh, if we could get a coaching carousel going every month or so, I'd be for it because that gives give us something to talk about. But uh should be fascinating to see what Michigan does if Jim Harbaugh does, in fact, leave after uh, you know he got some votes for National Coach of the Year. But next, hey, let's skip it on down to the Plains where – Man, I was talking up Auburn and all they got coming back. Mostly on the defensive side of the ball. Tight end John Samuel Shanker also making the decision to come back as a super senior. Well, Auburn just took a hit here on Monday night. This is right after we got done recording this day of news pop. But Kobe Hudson, the team's number one receiver, leading receiver, no longer with the Auburn Tigers. He posted, I never wanted to leave Auburn ever. I was kicked off the team and he has since deleted that. So I don't know. I don't know why he put that out there if he really didn't get kicked off the team. I think it's uh, you know it's a bad look for him potentially trying to get uh, recruited by other schools to let everybody know he got kicked off the team, so he probably deleted that. And since that time, read into this what you will. Old Lane Kiffin up there at Ole Miss is retweeting Kobe Hudson. He's also been retweeting Caleb Williams, the Oklahoma transfer, so... We know that uh, Kiffin, he likes to toy with people. He likes to fuck with us all on social media. This could be some of that, but maybe there's some genuine interest here, and you got to think Kobe Hudson. He's a uh, Georgia native, if I'm not mistaken. Like I said, Auburn's best receiver. That's one of Auburn's weakest positions. This is going to be a huge blow, so they're going to have to be hitting the transfer portal Pretty hard, I would think, to bring in some veteran receivers. I think they already needed to do that. But with their leading receiver out the door, now they really got to do it. And speaking of the transfer portal and the Auburn Tigers, of course, the big thing there, who they got to bring in at quarterback? Interesting name here, picking up some steam. Former Texas A&M quarterback Zach Calzada. And before Auburn fans get upset by that one, Hell, he's the only quarterback that's beat Alabama. That got to give him some fans on the planes right there. But, you know, all jokes aside, Zach Calzada was a guy that got banged up this year. Very inconsistent up-and-down performances. But when he's good, he's better than anything you got. So Brian Harson, noted quarterback coach. Austin Davis coming from the NFL to coach up the position. Jimbo Fisher always touted Zach Calzada as a guy that's got NFL potential. Who better than a a former NFL quarterback coach to get that out of him if he really does have that. So Zach Calzada, not saying official to Auburn, but being recruited, he's visited the Plains, or at least it's either he's visited or he will be visiting here shortly. Auburn's going to add at least one quarterback via the transfer portal, and it sure would be interesting if they added a player with SEC starting experience uh, last season at uh, Texas A&M. Well, speaking of uh, the coaching carousel, so we got some news and notes here too from the SEC. So let's kick it over to the SEC East starting in Lexington where Vince Morrow is getting an extension there at Kentucky according to Matt Jones, Kentucky Sports Radio. Morrow's going to be making over a million dollars a year now. I believe he was at, I want to say 850000 right around 900000 something like that. So a nice little bump here for Morrow who is, of course, uh, the associate head coach, recruiting coordinator, tight end coach, leading social media tweeter out there for the Kentucky Wildcats football program? One of the best recruiters in the country, and Mark Stoops' right-hand man. He's had to keep Vince Morrow away from other programs for uh, the better part of uh, half a decade here. So, hey, good news continues for the for the Wildcats. They just signed their best recruiting class in school history, Vince Morrow, Mark Stoops, the architect of that class, and now you're keeping uh, Mark Stoops' most important assistant for another season, and that's what you want to see if you're a Kentucky Wildcat fan. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, tough one here for South Carolina because Florida reportedly poaching your outside linebackers coach, Mike Peterson. Former Florida Gator is expected to join Billy Napier's coaching staff there, according to Chris Vanini of The Athletic, and did not see this one coming. Peterson is uh, is in the Florida Hall of Fame. He's been at South Carolina since 2016, working under Will Muschamp. He's uh, regarded as one of the rising coaches in the sport. Really, you know, there's a long list of South Carolina pass rushers that have emerged under Mike Peterson, and, uh, you know, there was speculation it was going to be Chris Rump down there, who's a, a longtime SEC assistant now in the NFL, that was going to be working down there for Billy Napier. I'm, I don't know if that's still going to be happening, but, hey, Mike Peterson, I, I think I would argue would, I'd rather have Mike Peterson than Chris Rump. So South Carolina looks like they're going to have an opening on their coaching staff following this move, and Billy Napier continues to make moves, continues to get guys with SEC experience, and uh, stealing some of the uh, more well-regarded SEC assistants out there. So, man, a good offseason for the Florida Gators looks to be continuing, bringing back a Gainesville native, a former Gator, outstanding Gator, and one hell of a coach and recruiter to Gainesville here. All right, one last thing here before we get to our interview with uh, JB of the red zone up there in northwest Arkansas. I just wanted to make a quick note because we got us another Tennessee Vol deciding to come back for a super senior season. And this time it's defensive back Trayvon Flowers, who had 67 tackles, which was uh, tied for sixth most among all SEC defensive backs. Now, defensive back, not one of Tennessee's uh, stronger suits. But you'd rather have experience returning than not. And there was plenty of guys I was hearing at, at Ole Miss and Arkansas this time last year saying, well, where in the hell were they thinking they were going to go? They're not going to NFL. You come back, you build upon what you had year one, which is what Trayvon Flowers and some of these other Vols are doing. Tennessee currently leads the SEC in super senior category. They I think they were leading it before Flowers made this decision. So, Hey, the level of buy-in is real with Josh Heupel, and this can be nothing but good news, even though uh, the secondary has certainly been a liability at time for the Tennessee Vols. Coming back and having a veteran presence like Flowers is only going to help that unit get to that next level and uh, having so much experience. And you got to remember, Tennessee, after losing so many guys, you know they're under the 85 scholarship limit. Uh, that's a question that I've got. Here recently, how did the Super Seniors affect the scholarship limit? Moving forward, starting immediately for the 2022 season, Super Seniors, you're allowed to come back, but you have to be counted against the 85 scholarship limit. That was not the case last season. So teams like Arkansas and Ole Miss, I think they were able to push beyond that 85 scholarship limit. Cannot do that moving forward. You can still have Super Seniors back, and you can have them for a couple more years as I understand it, but they do count against your 85. But for the Vols, you got room for these players. So uh, in no way is this a negative for them Vols. All right, so I teased it there. Let's get to our interview with Josh Bertaccini. Really going to like this one. Razorback fans went on a little deep dive here on uh, just what a terrific season it's been for the Arkansas Razorbacks and what the fans are talking about there in Northwest Arkansas. All right, hey, well we're pleased once again to be joined by my buddy Josh Bertaccini, host of the Red Zone with JB921, the ticket, Northwest Arkansas. Give Josh a follow at Red Zone 921. JB, how you doing, my man?
1: I'm great, Mike. How you doing, my guy?
0: Ooh, man. Now that uh you know the dust has settled and Arkansas just whipped up a Penn State, I'm doing great because I I feel validated. I know you've been high on the Hogs all season. Uh, you know Nationally, some people still look at it as, as a damn laughing stop there in northwest Arkansas, but they ain't laughing now, are they?
1: No, they're not only not laughing, but I think they've raised their whole expectation level for this program, Mike. I mean, you were optimistic about the team before the year. I was optimistic. I don't think any of us were nine wins optimistic. So mm-hmm. I don't want to say a bowl game. Was that important when you're not competing for a national championship or in a New Year's Day six, Michael? But, I mean, it was the capper on a season that saw Arkansas come back from the dead and get itself back on the map. And now you got Sam Pittman asking for a $50 million contract.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, it's okay. I I was going to ask you about that in just a second. But, you know, could you imagine here about two years ago, you're hiring Sam Pittman everybody's laughing at you you're hiring this damn offensive coordinate or excuse me offensive line coach that's never been a head coach yet you know let's then we go to the bowl game now two years later he's basically comparing rice I don't know if you caught I'm sure you caught that basically comparing Penn State led by James Franklin who many people have as a top 10 coach in the country he's comparing right. his program to freaking rice and he's absolutely right I mean they they just it it looked like a, a warm up game before the SEC. I mean, how stunned are you? How quick they they turned this thing around? I mean, I'm surprised, Mike. I think that's a great question by you. Like,
1: not whether Sam Pittman was going to do it, right? I love how you phrased that. Really, could Arkansas do it quickly? And I think, again, another spot where this is not going to make me look good today, Mike. Another spot where I was wrong. I thought at least traditionally it takes three four re- recruiting cycles, right, mm-hmm. to rebuild a program to get your guys in there. But I think what we're seeing, we were talking about this here on 92 on the ticket this morning on our morning show. I think what you're seeing is with the transfer portal, with early signing, with a lot of guys trying to speed up high school credits and get themselves eligible early or on the back end, having an extra year or two to work with. I think you could turn programs around a little quicker. I mean, I don't know how else to explain this, but something that I thought would take three, four, five years looks like it's taken Sam Pittman two or three years. And I know we'll look ahead before we're done, Mike, but I don't think this rebuilding project has peaked out even close to where it can get yet.
0: No. And I I really do believe that, uh, you know, this started last off season. I believe it it was either Christmas Eve or Christmas when Grant Morgan said, Hey, I'm coming back. I'm going to be a super senior. And you just had so much buy-in from this team last off season. It translated onto the field. And I think that helps a program like Arkansas who, you know, for being honest here, they don't have the talent of an Alabama or a Georgia, but what they've got is they've got seniority. They've got players that are in the program for four or five, now six seasons in, in some rare cases, and I think we're seeing that played a huge, huge advantage for Arkansas in SEC play, and we're already starting to see it with, with guys like Dalton Wagner coming back. Uh, I, I just think that's going to continue to be the case for Arkansas in the years to come under Sam Pittman, don't you? I do.
1: I do. And I, I think what we're going to see now is kind of like building off your point, like offensive lines, like continuing to get better and better, not only from recruiting, but from mechanics and from development. I mean, Sam Pittman's known for this, right? Making offensive lines into behemoth forces for teams. And again, it's not there yet, but you're talking about an offensive line at Arkansas this year that was mostly recruited and brought in by a previous regime, albeit with a couple of transfers. But at the same time, by the end of the year, Arkansas was running the ball about as well as anybody in the country. And you're mm-hmm. talking about a team that down the stretch ran it well against Alabama, ran it well against LSU. And then obviously in the bowl game, ran it down Penn State's throat to win the Outback Bowl in the second half, six yards a carry for 360 yards. Mike, you or I <laughs> probably could have gotten a few yards with the holes that were wide open out there. So I'm very optimistic about the O-line moving forward. And I know you're going to ask me about KJ Jefferson, but I think you can make an argument. He was as valuable to his team this year as any quarterback on any team in the country, and that's including Bryce Young at Alabama.
0: Mm. Now, there's so many highlights from this season, you know, going back to Texas and Texas A&M. So many streaks were snapped, so many rivalries one way. Heck, we got every uh, trophy we can have down there in, the, in, in Fayetteville right now. Uh, when you're looking back, you're telling your grandkids about the legend of Sam Pittman. What, <laughs> what's the thing that is going to stand out to you the most from the season we just had here. You
1: know, I just, I'm going to go to KJ Jefferson first. Traylon Burks got all the pop right as the game-breaking wide receiver. I think we're all still turning our heads after that touchdown against Alabama, 70 yards to the house. And, you know, Burks was incredible. Put on one of the greatest single-season wide receiver shows. Frankly, Michael, that we've ever seen at Arkansas. And Arkansas has a pretty good history of wide receivers. So, Burks was great. Offensive line, we've already talked about in running game was really good. And it was good with young guys. Guys will be back next year. Mike, Dom Johnson, A.J. Green, you know, Rocket Sanders. These guys are all coming back. And uh, and that's got to give you a lot of optimism going into next year. But the true story of 9-4 and four for Sam Pittman this year was his belief in K.J. Jefferson. You know, before the year, there were a lot of skeptics, mm-hmm. a lot of people who thought he couldn't be the guy for a full 12 games. He's not a good enough passer. He doesn't move quickly enough. And you know what? I'm not going to say this guy's a finished product, but wow, seemed like he got better every single week. And I know that's kind of cliche, but it's not a cliche when it's the truth. After October 9th, he didn't throw an interception again until the bowl game against Penn State. He's got a 21-4 to 4 CDI&T ratio, 67% completion percentage, not to mention one of the leading rushing quarterbacks in the country, rushed 145 times at five yards of carry. So K.J. Jefferson, I hate that phrase. He carried the team on his back, Mike, because, again, it was not a one-man show, and football never is. Mm -hmm. But this guy was a rock star this year. He played hurt. He was a leader. And without him, this team is probably the opposite of eight and four in the regular season. So I think the real story of this season, Sam Pittman getting his team to buy in and making the transition to quarterback – And now Arkansas is the guy in the preseason Heisman shortlist next year, Mikey.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it was not that long ago we were hearing, you know, he's gained too much weight. He looks like he's out of shape. Uh, 24-7 sports had him as the worst quarterback in the SEC. Uh, He looked a little shaky in the opener. You're going into this huge Texas game. Many people calling for Hornsby to, you know, we got to insert him in the lineup to see what it, what we've got. Now it's com- we've completely flipped that on on its head, and and just like you said, that gives Arkansas so much momentum because they're going to have one of the best quarterbacks not only in the SEC but the entire country. And who knows, you know, who's going to enter this transfer portal? I, I know Arkansas already having success there, but who knows who goes in there? That uh, you know, with KJ Jefferson on your roster. Maybe that, that makes Arkansas an even more of an attractive option this offseason, don't you think? I think it has
1: to be, right? And I think it has to be for, you know, incoming potential transfers and for potential recruits this year. But, you know, really the talk around here, Mike, and I'm not trying to scoop the message boards here in Razorback Lane. They got enough folks trying to scoop them online. But, you know, I pay attention. I hear the hubbub out there. And I talk to people and, you know, I'm not going to say it's a verified deal, but Arkansas is been pretty aggressive so far, reaching out to some juniors out there, some high school quarterbacks who are pretty highly touted nationally. A couple guys who aren't even from the South. And so when's the last time Arkansas, unless it was a transfer, who was literally looking for a way out, when's the last time that they were a prime destination for blue-chip high school quarterbacks? Now, I'm not saying they are yet. I'm not saying they are yet. But if T.J. Jefferson can duplicate this kind of year, Mike, go in eight, nine games again, maybe ten, and really establish that you can be a Heisman contender at Arkansas, at quarterback, and then he goes pro next year, you're going to have a lot of quarterbacks out there who are licking their chops for a chance to come in and sling the rock for Sam Pittman in years four and five. So I think the future is bright at quarterback, and I think K.J. Jefferson elevating that position, credit to Kendall Bryles for his help in the development too, it's all going to bode well
0: for the future. Mm-hmm. Now, looking forward to next season. I'm, I'm already starting to hear it. And, I, you know, I can save the listeners a lot of the offseason storylines because this, this is what they're going to be saying at media days. This is what uh, is going to be saying all over the airwaves at the SEC Network. Love the job Sam Pittman's doing. He's doing a great job. But this schedule, you know, Arkansas cannot conquer it. And I've, I've heard that two years in a row now, and that's been proven wrong. You're opening against Cincinnati. You're playing Bobby Petrino's coming to town. You're playing yeah. Hugh Freeze. I mean, this this really is uh, an epic, epic schedule here. you got South Carolina week two. Uh, and now I was listening to the red zone with JB. And, oh, JB's got Arkansas going 12-0. and 0. How about it? <laughs> Mike, you made my day with
1: that. I love I knew I had an online listener. I knew I had you. I thought that was you listening this morning. No, so, um. <laughs> You know, that was we were having fun with it, and I was ripping through the schedule. But in all seriousness, Mike, I mean, there's a chance for Arkansas to have a really special year next year. And, yes, this schedule's as tough as you just said. And, no, I don't have to explain to you the gauntlet of the SEC West. I just think, you know, talking about toughness of schedule is something teams do when they don't win games, Mm -hmm. you know. Like, when you're Arkansas for four or five years and you're a joke at the bottom of the league, one of the only things you can hold on to is, well, at least we're playing a tough schedule, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're winning, all of a sudden, those tough games look like winnable games. And the real truth of whether or not you're a good team isn't how tough your schedule is. It's how you do with that tough schedule. So I don't hear other coaches making excuses for the record. Sam Pitt is not that kind of guy. I look at next year's slate. I mean, Cincinnati's losing the house, Mike. Mm-hmm. You know, Arkansas' home slate is filled up next year. You get really good swings. Had a lot of teams at home, including LSU and Alabama and Ole Miss, you know, early in the year against South Carolina. So, it's a favorable schedule. You know, I'm not worried about Petrina or Hugh Freeze. I think a trip to Utah to play BYU in the middle of the year might be tough. But I can see Arkansas building on an 8-4 and year and winning as many as nine or ten games. And you've got some diet listeners who know their stuff. And before they say I'm crazy, you do the math, y'all. Arkansas is going to have as much returning talent There's really anything they're facing on the schedule outside of Alabama. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's going to be a really fun year getting ready for it, Mike. And, I mean, can we start 2022 right now? I'm ready. Let's go. (laughs) September 3rd, come
0: on, Cincinnati. Let's go. Well, one thing you tease, and this is going to be the biggest storyline in the offseason, I think, there in Arkansas, Sam Pittman, contract extension talk. We all know he switched agents to Jimmy Sexton. And I don't know how, how aware you are of the backstory. I'm, I'm sure you probably know a lot of, a lot all about this, but you know a big reason why Sam Pittman is the head coach at the University of Arkansas right now is because Hunter check you know, he's got fed up with these damn buyouts. We had the worst yep. head coach. In the history of the SEC, we had to kick him to the curb, yet we had to give him all this money, and you're and a check sitting here saying, why are we doing business this way? We cannot continue to do that. And, you know, they got Sam Pittman on a discount, let's be honest. But at the same time, you know, I think from the time Sam Pittman's been hired to today, I think you can make the case that he's been the best head coach, not in not in the SEC, I'm talking about the country, for the two-year job he's done So I'm conflicted here because I think the man deserves every penny he's going to get. But I also think that his success is largely based on his coordinators and the players, obviously. So I don't know if I'm Sam Pittman, I go to Arkansas and say, I want the highest assistant salary pool in the country to to keep my elite coaches here. And I want the highest recruiting budget and pay me, you know, what I'm worth, give me a raise. But I don't know, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a worried that he switched to Jimmy Sexton because J- Jimmy Sexton was the problem in the first place. And, and I know Sam Pittman's loyal to Arkansas, but I guarantee you, I know Jimmy Sexton isn't. What What's your thoughts on, uh, on this Sam Pittman contract extension?
1: You know, I mean, if they paid me a little more money, maybe I'd have some real thoughts for Sam Pittman on it, right? Surely there's a slice of it for me or you in there. $50 million, can you spare a couple? But no, in all seriousness, you're on point here with one of the big narratives in Razorback land right now, Mike, I mean, you sound like you live here. I mean, like literally is the guy who came in and said, it's not about the money. That's his brand, right? Mm-hmm. Not about the money. I love the hogs. I grew up in the area. I love the people. I got the, the dream house on the lake already there in hot Springs. This is where I want to be. He comes in. He turns it around in two years. Like he started this conversation with now. He goes back to hundred years. At first he fires his agent. You're right. The agent he's had for years, his family friend, he fires her, the gal who got him the job, and he hires Jimmy Sexton, Mr. Super Agent, Super Money, which means he's not messing around. And we go from three and a half million a year to now he wants seven million dollars a year. So, look, is that a detriment to Sam Pittman's brand? <laughs> not really. I mean, I, I think it's a it's a deal where it's a sign of the times, Mike. Right, mm-hmm. right. To bring up Prince and a great song from back in the ages. it's a sign of the times. Where if you want to compete with the big boys and be a top twenty five program regularly, you can't do it for chump change anymore. And this is a Joe Biden economy. Salaries are inflated naturally, right? We know this. So when the guy down the block at Ole Miss is making nine million, and the guy over there at Auburn, by way of Idaho, is making seven, you know, and, and, and Jimbo Fisher is making twelve, Sam Pittman looks in the mirror and says, I beat these guys. Mike Leach is making eight and a half. I beat these guys. I need to make the same amount of money as these guys. I think Arkansas and Sam Pittman will get it done, but it is a fascinating scenario unfolding here where a guy who came in and said it wasn't about the money, give me my money. Who's going to blame him for that?
0: Right. Yeah, like I said, he's worth every penny. I'm just – Man, now that we're get, we're get, we're going down the rabbit hole that uh, got us in the issue in the first place, and I, and I know that has got nothing to do with Sam Pittman, but I'm just wary because uh, I know for a fact Jimmy Sexton, he's even tried to steer assistants out of there, and uh, and now now we're we're kind of having a snake in a pit here. So I yeah. I hope it works out. Like I said, Sam Pittman deserves everything, but you gotta take care of those assistants. Gotta take care of uh, bringing in the elite talent, because at the end of the day, as great as Sam Pittman is. Uh, all those other factors have played a huge, huge role for the Arkansas Razorbacks. But, hey, JB, I really, really appreciate you hopping on the line here and and, and touting up the Arkansas Razorbacks because, like you said, outside of that state, I, I feel like I'm one of the biggest homers of the Razorbacks out there. And not even I saw nine wins coming for this team, so I I cannot imagine what next season is going to have with KJ Jefferson and and this team coming back. I mean, we could be talking the glory years of Arkansas Razorbacks.
1: No question about it. And Mike, you know, I'll agree with you on this one. Your volunteers got totally screwed. In that was <laughs> ridiculous.
0: I was at that game, and uh, yeah, yeah oh, I was right oh. right there in the end zone, and. I'm still not over it. So thanks for bringing that up. I mean, it was a terrible call, but you run
1: the ball at the end of the game, you win the game. Anyway, I hate to digress. Mike, big fan. Look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks for having me on the podcast, buddy.
0: All right. So just want to say thanks again, Josh, for joining the show. Really appreciate that. Went on a little deep dive here. I hope the Razorback fans really appreciated that little back and forth. JB's one of the best out there. So give him a follow there at RedZone921 on the Twitters. But that's going to do it for this episode of the show. Appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. We'll catch you on the next one.